0: Please have Ruth chapter 3 open before you. This small book of Ruth, it's wonderful, isn't it? Um, I've really enjoyed studying it and preaching it. And I've, I've been really struck, actually, the, the number of people who've come to me over the last couple of weeks to, to say that they've been hearing God's voice, that they love this small Book of Ruth. It's a a small part of God's word, but it seems to have a a disproportionately large impact. In our first couple of studies, we met a couple of the main characters. Uh, You may remember in the first week we met Naomi. Uh, She's lost her husband, both her sons, her life is broken, and although her circumstances haven't improved dramatically, we have seen signs that God's at work for Naomi in the kindness of others and in surprising circumstances. Last week in chapter two, we focused more on Ruth, uh, Naomi's Moabite daughter-in-law. She's an outsider. She comes to Israel asking the questions that any refugee naturally would be asking, am I welcome? Am I safe? Will I be provided for? And we saw last week in chapter two, signs that God was at work for Ruth, too, in the kindness of Boaz, in the ongoing unfolding events of everyday village life. Uh, By the way, if you want to know more about God's heart for refugees, we've placed a seven day Bible study resource from the Bible Reading Fellowship in our resources section in church suite. A, a member of the congregation shared that with me just over the weekend, and I've, I've put it up there. That, that would be well worth a look just to see how intent God is to see his people welcoming outsiders. So God's at work for broken Naomi. He's working for the outsider Ruth. What about Boaz? He seems like a solid, good enough guy. He's, he's nice to his workers. We, we saw that and he's kind to foreigners. We saw all that last week. He's not devastated in the way that Naomi is. He's not an outsider in the way that Ruth is he's just plain ordinary he's not a minister or a missionary he's just a good guy quietly going about his business working as a farmer in a small rural village Boaz and ordinary folks like us often look at our lives and say there's nothing to see here My life doesn't really grab me most of the time. So I don't know why God would be very interested. God's not at work in the likes of me. I'm just ordinary. So this morning as we come to chapter 3 of this beautiful little book, I want you to keep that question before you. What about Boaz? How's this story playing out for him? Uh, We'll come back to that before we finish. If you read the book of Ruth with care and attention, you'll see that it's full of all sorts of beautiful, beautiful literary features. So, for example, the, the rhythms of farming life timeline the whole book. If you remember, at the beginning of chapter one, Naomi leaves Bethlehem because of a famine. At the end of chapter one, she returns just in time for the barley harvest. Chapter two is set in the seven or so uh, weeks, the short period from the beginning of the barley harvest until the end of the wheat harvest. Chapter 3, which we're looking at this morning, focuses on the next stage in the agricultural process. So we're on the threshing floor, the place where the dried barley and the wheat crops are, are processed by, by winnowing and threshing into, into grain. The structure of this book mirrors the rhythms of life in rural Bethlehem gives us a sense that this is very everyday very ordinary as well as the overall structure of the book there's a a lovely structure even within the chapter so last week we were in chapter two and and it had a a bit of a pattern to it it began with a conversation uh, at Naomi's house between Ruth and Naomi they come up with a plan then Ruth sets out from the house and goes and engages in agricultural life. And then finally, Ruth returns home to report to Naomi. Chapter three, same pattern. In scene one, verses one to five, we're in Naomi's house and there's a conversation between the women and they come up with a plan. Scene two in verses six to 15 is set out on the farm, not this time in the fields, but on the threshing floor. Scene 3 verses 16 to 18 recounts the conversation between these two women on Ruth's return to Naomi's home. Let's use that structure for the most part and get stuck in and see what's happening here. As we trace the story, I want you to notice three things. Naomi's plan, Ruth's obedience, Boaz's kindness. So in the opening verses of the chapter, we. Are reminded of Naomi's situation just in case we forget she's got no husband and no children and neither is Ruth two widows and they're stuck they're without a livelihood and without a family the events that we read about last week were Boaz allowed Ruth to glean in his field they helped address their poverty at least in the short term There was food on the table at least for now thanks to the kindness of boaz but but that wasn't the end of their troubles remember what we said a couple of weeks ago when we were familiarizing ourselves with this story we pointed out the long-term difficulty faced by these women we made the point that it was well nigh impossible for a, a woman to survive in that culture without a husband to provide for her That hasn't changed. And that's why we find Naomi turning to Ruth saying, verse one, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you'll be well provided for. It's what Naomi's been wanting actually from right back in chapter one, verse nine. She's wanted a new husband for Ruth since her husband Killian has died. Until Ruth found a new husband, their future was uncertain. Naomi's come up with a plan. She shares it with Ruth, verses two to four. Take a bath, make sure you exfoliate, use some of your best bath oils, your finest perfume. You know that that beautiful dress you have, put that on. And tonight, when it's dark, go down to the threshing floor and approach Boaz. He'll take over from there. It sounds a bit weird to us not not that women haven't ever helped their daughters think of how to go out into the the world but there's something going on here that that we don't quite understand there's a jewish law at play here a bit like the the law that we noticed last week when we were thinking about gleaning and if we don't understand this law we're not going to understand what happens in this chapter or in this whole book notice how Naomi describes Boaz when Ruth first told her when she came back at the end of chapter two told about how what a great day she'd had what a generous farmer she met chapter two verse 20. Look at what Naomi says. That man Boaz is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. So it's this it's this thing about a guardian redeemer that I want to think about a guardian redeemer or a kinsman redeemer. That's your closest living male relative. The kinsman redeemer rescues a family when it falls on difficult circumstances, and he could do this in a number of different ways. He can buy back land that a poor family's had to sell he can buy back a member of the family themselves if they've had to sell themselves into slavery he can avenge the death of a family member he can marry the widow of a deceased relative to preserve the family name all of these duties would fall to the king's kinsman redeemer but all of them can be refused including the the last one to to marry the late relative's widow this thing, by the way, where you, you marry a relative's widow was known as lever at marriage. Uh, lever is the, the Latin term that translates the Hebrew for brother-in-law. In certain cases, a person could be a redeemer, uh, redeeming property, without at the same time being a, a lever. So you could rescue the family from poverty by buying back their land without providing the family with with legacy and continuing the family line. Forgive me the slightly technical explanation. That's what's in the background here. That's what Naomi has in her mind at the start of this chapter. The role of the kinsman redeemer. This is what lies behind her plan. She wants Ruth to go and confront Boaz with his responsibility as a kinsman redeemer. So in the opening verses of the chapter, we see Naomi's plan. In verses 6 and 7, we see Ruth's obedience. Ruth does just as Naomi asked her to do. When Boaz had finished his day's work, when he's laying down on his threshing floor, I think he's doing that to protect his grain, probably just lying there to make sure nobody steals it. Ruth approaches silently under cover of night and lies down next to him. The the narrator does his utmost to to draw us into Boaz's sense of surprise. He's it's it's the middle of the night. He's turning in his sleep and then he notices something and it's like, "Whoa! what's what's this? There's a woman lying at my feet. When Boaz recovers from his shock, He asks her who she is. It's me, Ruth. And then she goes on to say something that at first seems quite strange. Verse nine, spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. When a man spread his garment over a woman like this, it was a signal of intent that he was gonna marry her he's effectively inviting her into his bed so when Ruth comes to Boaz and asks him to spread the corner of his garment over her she's doing nothing less than asking him to to marry her Boaz I'm I'm a widow I'm part of your wider family the laws of your people call for people like you to provide for my future marry me So we've seen Naomi's plan, we've seen Ruth's obedience. What about Boaz? What's his response going to be? Is he willing to take on this role of kinsman redeemer? Is he willing to marry this young foreign woman? Is he willing to take on the responsibility for her and for Naomi that would come with such a marriage? We don't have to wait too long to see Boaz answer look at verses 10 and 11 the Lord bless you my daughter I'll do for you all that you ask isn't that beautiful throughout this story Boaz has lived up to his reputation look at look back at chapter 2 verse 1 uh, these narratives how, how a person's introduced is always important he's described there as a man of standing He's a good man with a good reputation. And in this incident, we see his integrity. It turns out that the same man who welcomed, protected and cared for Ruth in broad daylight before other people watching when she, he first met her in his field. It turns out that he will also welcome, protect and care for her here in the middle of the night when no one else is around. He refuses to take advantage of this young woman. He commits himself to working for her advantage. It's it's beautiful. We've seen a number of times how the folks in Bethlehem experience God's kindness in the kindness of others. There's another beautiful incident of that here. We've already, We've already mentioned Ruth's invitation to Boaz to to spread the corner of your garment over me. It's an invitation to marriage, we said. But Ruth's words taken literally mean spread your wings over me. And that's a curious phrase, but it provides an interesting echo of what Boaz said when he blessed this young Moabite woman, chapter 12, chapter two, verse 12, have a look. Chapter two, verse 12, when he first met her, he said, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Do you see what's happening here? Boaz's prayer for Ruth in chapter two has been answered here in chapter three. Ruth has found refuge. She's found refuge under the wings of the Lord, but notice this. The shelter that Ruth has found has come in the shape of Boaz own commitment to her and his promise to take her as his wife. Isn't that interesting and inspiring? Boaz is willing to be used by God in answer to his own prayer. He begins by praying for Ruth's protection. And then when the opportunity arises, he acts to provide that protection. Wouldn't it be great if we were praying and living like that? Praying that God would be with lonely people in Bangor and then opening our homes and our tables to them. Praying that God would reach those who don't yet know him and then inviting someone to church or our home or some other place where they can hear about Jesus praying that resources would be made available for the kingdom of God but reaching at the same time into her own pocket to to provide them as God enables us Boaz prayed and then at the right time he responded to God's prompting to become the answer to his own prayer I want us to to keep thinking about Boaz for just a moment. We've encountered him as a good, solid guy, salt of the earth. Good guys like Boaz often don't get any attention, We, we don't tend to notice them, they just quietly get on with their business. There's the danger that they just look too ordinary. Boaz is far from ordinary, let me show you. There's an aspect of this book of Ruth that we haven't thought about very much just yet. Flick back to chapter 1, verse 1. We're told there of the time in which this this narrative unfolds, this story takes place. It's in the days when the judges ruled. What, What do you know about the period of the judges, the book of judges, the previous book of the Bible? If you know the book of judges at all, you'll know that it contains episode after episode of God's people behaving atrociously. Some of the worst parts of the Bible are in that book. When the narrator of Judges brings his book to a close, he says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Now, isn't that interesting? that's the time at which our little story is set this is the culture boaz found himself living in a culture very much like ours a culture where people increasingly don't recognize god as their king and where everyone does as they see fit sometimes i think we're too quick as the people of God to excuse our half-hearted discipleship for, all, for the atrocious culture that we live in. It's too hard, we say, to live for God in this, this dark, dark world. Actually, I think that's exactly what we're called to do. To shine in dark places. The darker the backdrop, the brighter we shine. Boaz shines in the time of the judges. He doesn't wait for a better moment in the culture to live faithfully for God. He shines in the darkness. Isn't this what Jesus meant when he told his disciples, you are the light of the world? Paul expected the early Christians in Philippi to shine in the same way he calls them children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation he urges them to shine among them like stars in the sky I hear a lot of talk these days that Bangor and North Down is increasingly and quite considerably secular I hear people saying that our society feels dark. That's all right. Because our calling is to shine. We've thought about Naomi's plan. We've thought about Ruth's obedience. We've seen Boaz's kindness. But just a few more minutes, as we wrap things up, we come back to the question I posed at the start. How is this story playing out for Boaz himself? Yet again, he's proved himself to be a a good, solid, faithful guy. God's using him to show kindness to others. But, But how do things turn out for him, Mr. Ordinary? Well, in a turn up for the books, the good man who's been used to show kindness to others finds himself now on the receiving end receiving God's kindness himself Mr ordinary experiences kindness the chesed of God look at verse 10 addressing Ruth who's just offered herself in marriage to him he says the Lord bless you my daughter this kindness is greater than that which you've shown earlier the earlier kindness he's talking about is Ruth's kindness to his mother-in-law or to her mother-in-law Naomi but now it's Boaz who finds Ruth's kindness falling on him do you see what he says you haven't run after younger men whether rich or poor it's kind of hard to know what's in Boaz's mind at this point but but there's some part of him that that's touched that feels moved that this younger woman would, would come to him. Ruth, I, I'm pretty ordinary. I'm a middle-aged farmer after all, not the kind of guy who could hope to catch the eye of an eligible young lady like you. You're showing this ordinary middle-aged farmer, the very kindness of God. Isn't it beautiful? God, God is working his kindness for Mr. Ordinary. We've asked this question, how is this story working out for Boaz? And, and we find ourselves saying, well, pretty well. He, he experiences God's kindness now in the kindness of Ruth, but there's something else going on here. Something wonderful and profound god is using boaz to show us jesus how so how how does boaz point us to jesus well we've, we've already said that he's portrayed throughout this book as the kinsman redeemer redemption is a huge theme in this story these women need to be rescued we have 23 words in these four short chapters built on the Hebrew root word, which means redeem. The book of Ruth is all about redemption. But the book's not about redemption in a, in a general kind of a way, like in a Hollywood movie where we talk about the, the redemption that comes somehow in the, the plot. The characters in this story are waiting for a person They're waiting for a person to show up and redeem them. In their case, God gives them Boaz. In our case, the father gives us his son, Jesus Christ. This story of Ruth and Naomi, we see a reflection of our own. We're we're as poor and as helpless as these two women whenever Paul describes our state without Christ he says Ephesians 2 that we were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel foreigners to the covenants of promise and without hope and without God in the world we're like Ruth and Naomi we need someone to to redeem us to rescue us from our hopeless situation someone who'll reach out in love and pay the price, that, says Paul, is exactly what Jesus Christ has done. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There's a price to be paid for redemption. We'll think more about that next week. But Jesus Christ paid it. In his case, he paid it at the cost of his own life. He gave his life to redeem you and to make us together his bride. This God who works for the broken and the outsider, we see him working now even, for the ordinary and we come then to the end of this third act of this short story Boaz has promised Ruth that he'll take her as his wife things are looking up for Ruth for Naomi and for Boaz but so far we've overlooked a problem that Boaz drew to Ruth's attention in verse 12 although it's true that I'm the guardian redeemer of our family there is another who is more closely related than I. Now there's a spanner in the works. Boaz wants to marry Ruth. All right, but under the provision of the law, there's another nearer relative who gets first refusal. How's all this going to work out? Well, let's come back next week and see. Let's pray.